Welcome to this Kingdom Faith Yorkshire podcast from the August Family Holiday. This talk is by Paul Abel. When I read this statement of Jesus, I wonder what you hear. Because you can hear it in different ways. I'm going to read it in just a minute. Just to bring everybody in that's local, or at least you come here Fridays anyway. Some of you come a long way, I know, sometimes. And uh, as you know, usually when I come and speak on a Friday, which is a real privilege and a delight, Jim always encourages me to bring more people. So we brought the whole church this time. And uh, a lot of them aren't in here. Nearly half the church are involved in other meetings uh, with the different age groups. But uh, it's, it's wonderful to be here. This is a great place and we're really blessed. And thank you for letting us use it. And we're just, I just feel we're rediscovering the goodness of God because it's outrageous. His goodness to us is outrageous. And any time anybody tries to limit, no, no, that's too good, you're missing how good he is. You think, you know, God is Trinity, three persons, one God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, each one God. And this God created everything. And in one part of that immense creation, he made a planet which we call Earth. And then on that planet, he created a people in his image. And then they blew it. Those people made in the image of God, they listened to a whisper. Is God really that good? I mean, this was the gist of the snake in the garden, the devil in the garden. Is God really that good? Can you really trust him that much? Has he really got his best for you? There's a few people going like this to me, James. You might have to turn it up a bit. (laughs) He's also trying to make it so I don't feed back and you'll go, <laughs> But whenever we read anything from Scripture, it comes with goodness and love because that is God's signature. And John told us, God is love. Is he really love? Is he really that good? Does he really care? And here, in this room, on the first morning, we we looked at a story I I guess probably everybody in this room knows well. You know, where the the disciples are travelling across the lake to the other side, and Jesus is asleep in the bow, in the stern, on a cushion. And they wake him up, and they say to him, Jesus, we're going to drown, don't you care? They've been listening to fear. He'd already said, we're going over to the other side. So they were going over to the other side. They're not going to drown, and he does care. He does a lot more than care. 
They're going to the other side. And as a church, we've been looking at this word from God's point of view of us as a church moving into the new things of God. But you know when you move into new things, a new blessing, a new anointing, the enemy will whisper because he hates it. He'll remind you of all the negative things. He'll make sure things irritate you. I mean, it's our flesh, it's our fault, but he loves to magnify all that kind of stuff so that we walk away from what is his best. But we're not going to. Not this time. None of us. United in this room in Jesus. But how do you hear this? Jesus is speaking and he says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Now, do you hear that with love and goodness? Or a sense of fear? Because you can hear that in different ways. You can hear, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Oh my goodness, I really don't love Jesus enough because I'm not always obedient. Oh, I'm a failure. Oh my God. Or do you hear, if you love me, you will obey my teaching. You can either allow it to condemn you or to empower you. Now, while you're here on this planet, you're still going to sin. You're still going to make mistakes. You don't accept it and say, that's fine, whoop-de-doo. You, you, you want to improve. You want to live in holiness and you want to live in righteousness. But this comes to say, if you love me, you will do. You will be able to. I will empower you to obey my commands. It's not, oh, I'm not obeying them enough. I don't love God enough. It's not to condemn you. How do I know that for sure? Because he's a God of love and goodness. You don't die for a group of people and then try and condemn them by saying you're not good enough. The whole purpose of that amazing cross that we sung about was to redeem us from that. To redeem us from that whispering of the enemy that says you're not good enough, you're not going to make it. What about that that you did? What about that you did? 40 years ago you did. It's amazing. The enemy can bring up stuff from decades ago that we've forgotten and then we start feeling, oh, I don't, I don't love God, I'm not obeying him. Let's just let go of all that, shall we? Let's change our minds, which is repentance. The Greek word is metanoia, which means change your mind. Let's let go of all the condemnation. The Holy Spirit will, only, will convict you, but he convicts us of things that are going wrong in our lives to enable us to live beyond those things. Whereas the enemy comes with condemnation that makes us feel we'll never be free of those things. Not only will we be free, we are free. That's what Jesus suffered and died for. We need to give Jesus back what he suffered for. I don't want to waste that suffering. Why, why am I taking this condemnation and failure? And, and he just wants his church to walk in maturity. Even those that are not that long saved, there is going to be such acceleration of growth. Anyone 
Notice it's anyone. No matter where you start, anyone who loves me will obey what I command. Anyone who loves me will be empowered by living in God to obey me. Stop thinking you can't. You can. He didn't come to give you an eternal sense of failure. He came to show you how much he loved you to enable you to walk in his way. John also writes, as he is, so are we in this world. That is quite a standard. As he is, so are we in this world. Not as he was even, not what we look at, what he was like on earth, or that's a good pattern to look at. As he is, and John's talking about the Jesus, the risen Christ in heaven, sat at the right hand of the Father. As he is, so are we in this world. You see, Jesus came from heaven to walk on this planet, and we call him incarnate. We call it God walking in human form. But the call on us is for people to see God walking in human form. Not that we're God, I'm not saying anything like that at all. But when they look at us, they see Jesus. Because those who love him will do what he commands. They're not going to forever struggle and feel, oh, it's, you will do it. I'm going to make sure of it. I'm going to enable you. Stop trusting in your own strength and carrying a sense of, oh, I won't do that, I won't do that. I won't. Just live in Jesus. See, a lot of the problem is people have a struggle with some form of sin. Let's, 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 let's take uh, something. Anyone, anyone, any suggestions? No, no. We've got to be careful here. Let's take something that's not really much on the scale of anything, biting your, your, your nails. Okay? I'm not saying that's a sin that's going to send you to hell, but we're just going to take that for now as if it was something. Okay? Maybe it is for some people. It certainly seems to be for some mothers. Now... If you want to stop biting your nails, every time you think about your nails, you're, see, you are now, right now, right there, yeah. And do you know why? Because I keep mentioning it. It's like, it's got in her head. Stop it, pastor. It's not fair. <laughs> but you see, when there's something you don't want to do, the more you think about, I don't want to do it, the more you end up doing it. Don't think of pink ostriches. <laughs> Everybody in the room suddenly had a rather peculiar picture of a pink ostrich of one format or another because I said don't do it. You can't not do something by saying don't. So what do you do? You look to the promises of Jesus. You look to what he's done. You look to the empowering that he promises to give us. The way to overcome nail biting, she's not, is to be focused on Jesus. That's it. Why do we make it so hard? Oh, I've really struggled with this for 36 years. Well, stop looking at it. Let's take something that's very real, pornography. Is a terrible scourge in the church. Many men, many women have been ensnared by the power of it. How do you get free from it? Well, certainly not thinking I want to get free from it. Someone's personal call on this issue. No. 
you can't look at it. You can't even think, I don't want to look at it, because every time you're thinking, I don't want to look at it, you'll be thinking about it. And you'll make the situation worse for yourself. And then you'll feel condemned, because the devil will get in and make you feel... You're not the first person to do it. But it isn't what God wants for you, because it isn't walking the way he is. That's not what people were created for, to look at that or be part of that. He has something so much better. But you won't be free from that by thinking, I want to be free from that. Because every time you think, I want to be free from that, you'll be thinking of that. You've got to focus on Jesus. You've got to spend time in his presence. You need to read his word. And as Jesus says here, no, it's on my phone. Here, <laughs> anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Do you believe Jesus? He's the one that will change us. Not us trying to be super good. Oh, I suffer, I don't know, fear and anxiety. I mustn't think about fear. I won't think about fear. I'm not th You're thinking about it all the time. The only way you overcome fear is to look at Jesus because perfect love casts out fear. But the problem is when we do things that are wrong, we think, oh my, oh no, I've done that, I've, been, I've done that, I've looked at that, I've done that. I, and we feel like we can't go to God because we feel unclean. Because we are. But that's the exact opposite of what God wants. This was so that we could Whatever's gone wrong. Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. And when we... Alright, let's go back to that, the horrible illustration. Say you, 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 look, you were looking at stuff on your computer screen. How long do you have to wait to go to Jesus? Some people feel like a, a day or two, you know, of cleanliness. But where does your cleanliness come from? Jesus. Jesus. Immediately you turn that screen off. And if you're stuck looking at it, scream out to Jesus anyway. He's not shocked. He knows about it. And actually, he understands you anyway. He just wants to see you free. I mean, with that particular one, you might need some accountability. Well, you're very likely to need accountability because it's a very powerful draw. You need to become accountable to somebody so you know there's somebody that's going to ask you, did you? But it needs to be a really good person that knows if you say yes, they're not condemned and that you, can't, you don't want to cut yourself off from them. You just want to, okay, well, let's walk on. Let's look at Jesus. Let's pray. Let's ask God for forgiveness and let's worship. Otherwise, we're judging and condemning one another. And we actually, we need, you know, the enemy's pretty good at that. So let's not join in with him. God loves you. God thinks you're amazing. God wants you to live in all goodness. You see, if you believe the lies that the devil says to you, you empower the liar. Whereas if you believe the truth, the truth is empowered in your life. And that truth will change you. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, you can't just know about the truth. You can't just have some vague ideas of what's in Scripture. You've got to know the truth. And the truth is not just the words on the page. It's the words on the page and the person. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus, which comes through reading the words on the page and spending time with him and spending time with his body and growing together. 
and you will live in the freedom that Jesus died to give you. But so often people give up because they feel unclean or they feel dirty or they feel like they can't possibly go there because they did it again. So you did it again, so get forgiven again, get clean again because God wants you in his presence. I mean, the danger, St. Paul addressed. He said, so shall we just, he said, so some people might say, shall we just keep on sinning then so that grace can abound? And he says, forbid it not. Why would we want to treat God that way? It's about a relationship. It, 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 that is not walking in a love and godly relationship. If I treated my wife like that, we'd be in serious trouble. You know, I, I didn't bother washing the dishes, so I left all my dirty clothes on the floor. Um, no, I, I, uh, I, didn't, I didn't do any hoovering like you asked me to. Oh, oh no, I'm, you can't watch your TV program that you wanted to watch. I'm watching something else and I've got the TV tonight. And, uh, oh, by the way, you need, um, you need a new blanket on your side because I've got the good one. <laughs> you know, she's not just going to say, that's all right, I forgive you, Grace. What kind of a relationship would we have? It's a good job she's not here. She might be saying stuff. <laughs> <laughs> She's working with the youngest ones. <laughs> now, remember this. Anyone who loves me, do you love Jesus? Will obey my teaching. What will you do? Yeah, he's not threatening you. Some people think that's a threat. He's encouraging you. If you, obey, if you love me, you will obey my teaching. Now, it doesn't stop there. This is not the message, this is the intro. This is the, the thing that came to me during the worship. We might never get to the message. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. It's just a promise. Because if he loves us, the Father loves us. And we, that's the Father and Jesus, will come to them and make our home with them. But remember, it comes in the context of love and goodness and grace. If that verse meant, if you live obediently enough, we will come and live with you, that would not be grace. That would not be love. It would be something conditional. If I'm a good enough Christian in my own strength, Jesus will, and the Father will come and live within me. That's not the Christian gospel. The Christian gospel is... You will be doing what I command because my Holy Spirit's going to empower you. And do you know what? The Father loves you and we're going to come and live in you. You will be our home. Being the home of Jesus is not something for super advanced Christians. It's for us all. And the moment you say yes, and turn your life around to follow him. He's just so good. He loves people so much. So we looked at, to bring everybody in, a few little things. We looked at Jesus calling the disciple, and here it says, without hesitating, they abandoned their nets and followed him. 
you know, they had good lives. And sometimes it's just about, I'm not going to do what is sensible and worldly. I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, when you follow Jesus, some people will have great businesses. We celebrated people in the workplace here this afternoon. They, they, they talked of what their experience is being in, in Christ, and we need to do that in the workplace and celebrate it in the church. So I'm not saying that, but this, it's, it's something about a people that say, yes, okay, whatever you want. I'm not putting career first. I'm not even putting my family first. I'm not putting my wife first. I'm not putting myself first. I'm putting the kingdom first. But you know what? It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't know why I've gone on King James all of a sudden. It must be in there somewhere, must <laughs> not it? And all these things will be given to you as well. That chap sitting in the back, who's annoyed that I've mentioned him, is called Martin. <laughs> <laughs> he works in a factory. I don't know what he does, I don't work in a factory. He, he like makes stuff and it's all technical and engineering. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm being, I shouldn't be so bad. I've got a degree in physics, for goodness sake, but he's an engineer, so that's practical physics is yeah, theory. Um, but he's a minister. But if I put him in charge of a church, it would be terrible. <laughs> at least currently but because that's not where he's, God's called him to be and he shines like a light in that workplace he gets a bit annoyed about that too but he does and he has some amazing stories about what happens and the conversations that go on because he's working with quite you know a normal rough bunch of guys that don't understand why on earth he would be a, a pansy Christian <laughs> well he's not <laughs> I'm telling you one of our guys this afternoon was uh, she uh, she went to uh, work with the local police in Scarborough and, and she was just sharing that, that because we work quite a lot with the police but even so they were kind of exp what, thinking that she'd be like this gentle flower what good is she going to be in the police? You know, this gentle flower. It's, it's, they were certain it was not going to go well. Well, it's been the opposite. It's been a remarkable success because she is following the call of God. She is a minister. She also happens to be a police officer, but she is a minister. It's about following the call, and God will enable us to do what he's called us to do. I happen to be called to be a leader in the church and to speak like this is part of my calling. It's no better or worse than anybody else's. We just have different roles to perform. So we looked at that. I've got to skip some of this. But I felt like I needed to just... We looked at... Uh, my, one of my favourite stories, the whole story of Jesus going back to Simon's mother-in-law's house. I, just, I always just think it's so amusing because it sounds so familiar. After the synagogue, they went back to um, 
Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house for a meal. It's like after church, they went back home for their lunch. It's just like, it's, if you can't identify with that. But they get home and they find out the lady that was preparing the lunch is in bed ill. Problem. Except not, because Jesus is there. And he walks into her bedroom and it says he put out his hand and she stands up and she's well, so she makes the dinner. I kind of feel this is what Jesus means when he heals people. There's been so much about getting blessing from God in the, in the past 40 years in the church. And it's good because the church has come alive. There's some absolutely amazing churches around this country full of on-fire Christians. A lot different to what it was in 1968, eh, Jim? <laughs> it's a completely different picture but a lot of it became focused on what I get from God I need my blessing I need my anointing I need to fall over I need to roll around I need to laugh everything became personal and I think there was a seat laughing do you remember that one when you were around in the 90s and the laughing and you know I saw people get really free from it and I also saw people get totally fixated on it and forget where the laughter came from but people did shake off fears and they shake off they shook off restrictions but it was it could become and often does we're so good at making religion out of things you're not laughing you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit what absolute rubbish so good at making rules and it kills what God is doing but beyond that is the fact that God didn't do all this to give us a good life full stop he gave it to enable us to be his body and to be a body that goes making disciples in all the nations that we would stand together that we would work together that we would be together that we would love one another put up with one another as it says, it, I love that, put up with one another. It's very realistic, the Bible. <laughs> bear with one another. Hello, brother. I'm going to bear with you today. <laughs> Sometimes that's just the best you can do. You're praying for that love to come on you. <laughs> oh, we're so good at annoying one another. <laughs> And God, he is sneaky. I, I haven't found the scripture yet. <laughs> but I'm sure somewhere he's got a name like Jehovah Sneaky. Because he seems to sneak so many things up on us, you know. And he puts these people around us that really irritate us. And then God says, well, that's the problem. You. <laughs> not them. But that's not fair. They, 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 yeah, but it's you. Because it's not what's outside of a person that makes them unclean. It's what's going on on the inside. And maybe what they're doing is not right, or maybe it is right. You just don't like it. You know, some people just don't like yellow. And it annoys you. <laughs> but it's not what Donna's wearing. <laughs> it's what's going on in here. Come on, we've got to grow up, church. We've got to stop blaming everybody else for our sin. They made me do it. They made me do it. This is a very worldly way of thinking it. Thinking. Passing on the responsibility for everything. The only responsibility we can pass on is the responsibility to be set free by Jesus to Jesus. We can't do that. We can't change that. Only he can. 
for all of those of you from Kingdom Faith, there is some new content. <laughs> there has been already, really, if we're honest, doesn't it? It's just, it's just been the, the same part. But that's what I love about Scripture. You can go back to exactly the same thing, and God says something completely that's different. Right, that's right, that's right. He just wants you to love. You know, be free to love. Just relax. Just chill out a bit, will you? If we're going to be the people of God who are serious and dedicated to laying down our lives and picking up our cross, we've also got to be very relaxed about letting go of all the irritations and all the sins and all the fears and all the failures because otherwise we'll get so het up with our own fears and failures that we won't be enabled to focus on what Jesus has given us to do because we'll never feel good enough because we never will be good enough. I'm not good enough to be the pastor of Kingdom Faith. Brian's not good enough to be one of the senior leadership team. Praise God. It's grace and mercy that lifts us into a position, and we walk in that. The position I'm referring to there is not the position of leadership. It's the position of being a child of God. Hmm. Now, the reason why all this is important and this is a bit of a repeat for Kingdom of Faith Yorkshire, is because there is a key verse. When you start something new, God will often speak to you prophetically through Scripture. Hollywood does the same thing. If you read their brochures and things, there are key verses about uh, God giving them this land and, and bringing the people to And My mind's gone completely blank, even though I looked at the brochure yesterday. But... There are certain key scriptures and things, aren't there, that God spoke to you that still uh, 51 years later are still as relevant as they were 51 years ago. And so we, there is one of the key things that God said to us was this Mark 2, 1 scripture, and we really can't let it go. Uh, if you're wondering what it is, if you don't know, it's quite simply Jesus returned to Capernaum a few days later and it was noised throughout Capernaum, that he was in the house. Noised is the, the King James Version. It's the best one, because it, the word is akuo in Greek, and it means there was a noise on the streets, it was gossiped on the streets, the word got round. It was a very active thing. And I believe this, this, the part of what God is doing through us and I'm sure he's doing it here through Hollybush as well, which is why he's gathered us together in one room tonight, is that people are going to be hearing more and more, but not about Hollybush or Kingdom Faith, God forbid. They hear that Jesus is there. But it gets even more exciting when you think about where did the Father and the Son say they were going to make their home? In us. In us as individuals, but in us as the body. Of Christ, and we've let go too much of the of the fact that we're a body. We've joined in with the modern world's idea that everybody is an individual. We are all personalities, but God has brought us together. Amen, amen, amen. We can't do what God has given us to do on our own. There's no such thing as lone rangers just doing their own thing with their own independent ministry. That is not a godly model. Godly Jesus said, "I will build my." Church. That's his model. And the church will pray, your kingdom come. Because the kingdom is bigger than the church in the sense of it's God's rule and reign and influence in the whole world. But we're to pray and establish that. 
it was heard that Jesus was in the house. It was gossiped. It was noised. Thirsk, buzzing. North Allerton, buzzing. Scarborough, buzzing. North Yorkshire, buzzing. Jesus can be found there. Jesus can be found in that group. Jesus can be found in those people. Jesus can be found in that house church. It is time for this. What causes this? That's why we were looking at all that other stuff. What causes this conversation to get going that Jesus is there? Well, there's a bunch of people who are saying, I'm not hesitating. I'm going to follow. I'm going to give my life to him. It's a wonderful cross. It's a glorious cross. He's died for me. I'm going to follow him. I'm not going to be pressed down by the fears of the enemy. I'm not going to get discouraged every time something goes wrong because I know when it goes wrong, that is not what defines my God. What defines my God is that he loved me so much that he died for me. Even when I was his enemy, he came and said, I love you, I love you. This is what I'm doing for you. Now I'm going to heaven so that the Spirit of God can come and live in you and enable you to live the way I've always wanted my people to live. Thank you. <laughs> so we look back and we looked at that we looked at that hesitation. We looked at the fact in the very normal things of life, going home after church. The miracles break out. And the mother-in-law gets up and cooks dinner. Oh, careful. <laughs> but look, after that, this is before the one we're talking about, that evening when the sun was set, people came from all over the town. Why? Because he had shown authority. They said, what is this teaching? The teaching he gave was the Old Testament. It's just that it came from faith. What kind of a faith? Not faith just in some written words, but faith in, those that, uh, in, in the God that had created that word. It was his relationship with the Father that brought to life what he was teaching and then say, wow, this is amazing. And then a demon would say something ridiculous in the service and he would say, quiet! Because he didn't need the enemy announcing who he was. He spoke with authority and they were like, wow, what's going on here? Well, where did that authority come from? The security of who he was because of who he was in his relationship with the Father. Where does our security come from? Because of who we are in our relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. So if there's any demons in this room, quiet, get out! And they go! That's right. In my experience, it's a lot easier than even healing. Because they know the truth better than you very often. And they know who you are. And they see who's standing behind you. And they are terrified. They'd rather you didn't do any of that and then they'll sort of sneak around you. But once you identify that, out! I'm not somebody that says there's demons behind every bush. But neither should we expect never to be taking authority over them. Because if we think they're not in this nation, they'll have a lot more influence than they, they should be having. Because we should be taking and saying, there's nothing having. And we think, well, I can't do that because I did this sin and I'm a bit fit. Just get rid of all of that. We've already dealt with that tonight. It's nothing to do with that. The moment you say, Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Hallelujah. You are cleansed and you have authority over all of that stuff. And you have the same authority then to start ministering healing. And then we saw, um, after the mother-in-law incident, 
<laughs> and after this incident of everybody coming to the door, it says, Jesus healed many from a whole variety of diseases. He also freed many who were in bondage to demonic powers. However, he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew he was God's son. Next morning, everybody's excited. Revival's broken out in Capernaum. There's just one problem. Jesus is missing. Eventually, they find him. He'd sneaked out early to go and meet with his father. Come on, Jesus, the people are gathered again. It's time for another revival meeting. We're going to cast out those demons. We're going to see people healed. We're going to see them laughing and rolling on the floor and falling over in the spirit and everything else that goes on in a revival meeting. This is going to be a good one. This is going to be the revival meeting of AD, whatever it was, 31-ish, maybe. Except, of course, they didn't know about that yet. Revival 31. Except that Jesus said, actually, we're going to go to some other places. What? <laughs> Haven't you seen the crowds gathering? Come on, Jesus. No, we've got other villages to go to. But they're, they're quiet. They're a bit boring. This is exciting. No, we're, I've listened to the Father, and this is what we're going to do. And this is what we've got to do as a church. Not jump on the bandwagon. Not jump on the necessarily the latest exciting thing. Not just do something because it seems, oh, wow, this is really fruitful. This must be good. We're constantly, is this what we're doing, Father? 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 Not just in a meeting. Not just when we're preaching now and I've taught everything that I had no idea that I was going to teach tonight because the Holy Spirit is saying this, this, because I'm constantly going, what now, Father? What now, Father? What now, Father? What next, Father? When we were worshipping earlier, I went round to a few people and said, intercede, we need a breakthrough. We'd hit a wall in the worship and we needed to break through. It was good, but I don't want just a good time of worship, do you? We want to break through. We want to experience God. We want to be in his presence. He wants that more than us. So it, it is time to see these things happening. But it comes from a people who realize God is good. That he loves them and he wants to do it a lot more than us. And not to get fixated on practices. But to let the Father lead us. You know, we need to let each generation hear from God how to do it. Because... The thing is, we want to reach the people. The, you know, we want to see the kingdom grow, don't we? We want to make disciples in the world. Well, we've got to communicate with them for that to happen. Why did all these people turn up? Because Jesus was doing exactly the thing he needed to do in that culture to connect with people. Sometimes we've just got to get across a cultural barrier. And so sometimes that takes different ways of doing it, different even, even the way you dress can mean somebody doesn't listen to you. I'm not saying get addicted to fashion or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all. But if you want to go and reach a bunch of people in a certain place, sometimes it can just help not to put some barriers in place. When people walk into a church building, you want them to feel welcome. <laughs> don't we? We don't want that kind of barrier. Oh, this is an unfriendly place. What's the point of putting that in amongst everything else? We are weird enough as it is. <laughs> Without adding all extra stuff that doesn't need to be there. Let's give them some nice coffee. 
because they're used to that kind of thing. We, 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 although we're moving on probably from a coffee culture, but we're just about there still. And the challenge will always be, what's next, Lord? You know, the worship styles. I love our worship, which probably means it's outdated because I'm old. And it probably needs to be, you know, being revised more and more because I don't want to put that in as a barrier. But we'll have another generation show us that. <laughs> then there was the leper. One occasion a leper came to him, fell to his knees and pleaded, if you want to, you can make me clean. Someone who was unclean was unacceptable in society. It sounds very harsh to our ears, you know, leprosy, skin disease that this was, that this, this leper would be rejected. But we need to look at what God is saying through it. So this is a person who is unacceptable. Nobody would have wanted, would have wanted this guy to have been around. He would not have been welcome in the church, the synagogue building. And the problem is, because let's, so let's, uh, let, let's see that this is also a picture of sin, uncleanness. And the problem is, people get scared of sin because they think it's going to infect them. If you hang around with that group, you're going to be in trouble. Well, maybe if that's a weakness for you, you know, if, you, if you're coming out of a, a particular struggle with sin, maybe not hang around with people who are into that. But we've got to hang around with sinners or we won't be talking to them. God didn't say, come out from the world. He said, just don't copy and live like them. We've got to be in the world. And gee, if you want to, but the question is, and the challenge to us is, and we've had this earlier, but we're having it again because God is bringing it for us, the Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Do you really want this? Do you really want this? Do you really want this? Because the message there is, Jesus, the leper says to Jesus, if you want to. Let's say to the church, do you want to? Do you want to make these people clean? Are you prepared to be amongst people for whom others will look at you and say, well, you're not proper Christians if you're mixing with that lot? Because Jesus got accused of being a drunkard and hanging out with women and going to parties. Jesus did. So if we're going to do stuff like that, we're certainly going to get that. Who are you going to hang out with? Are you, if there's a, a, a gay pride march in Thirsk, are you going to stand on the border with stones saying you are of the devil and you are satanic? Or are you going to go and join the end of March party and chat to people and get to know them and listen to them and, and eat sandwiches with them and maybe have a glass of pop with them? Because that's what Jesus would have done. And you'll get accused of all kinds of things for doing that, but that's what happened to Jesus. Do we want that church? Are we prepared to be so in love with God's people that people think we're a right dodgy bunch? It's not about us getting involved with the sin. It's about us getting involved with people. Because what Jesus said when he was asked this question, it's right here. Of course I want to heal you. Of course I want to connect with you, says the church. Of course I want to be in your life. Of course. And that is its challenge. 
And I think this is the third time I've brought it back. And every time it's like the Holy Spirit is shouting in my ear. I feel like he's jumping up and down with excitement. Yes, yes, this is what I want from my people. That they will be as Jesus is in the world. If Jesus walked into our towns, he would go to some of the worst places. Because he knew it wasn't going to get on him. See, they were afraid. The teaching was, the Pharisees' teaching was that they would be polluted and therefore not, they'd have to go and get all cleansed up again before they could get back to God, following various ritual cleansing. But God was saying, or God is saying to us, look, you're going to get the cleanliness on them. The light overcomes the darkness. And no matter how much the dark, if this room was filled with darkness and I took out my little um, light on my phone, it would light the room. It's only a tiny, tiny little light. There would be a lot of darkness in this room. If you love me, you will do what I command. You won't get the sin on you if we walk with God. What will happen is we'll get the love of God, the righteousness of God, the empowerment of God, the, the, the joy of God, the peace of God will end up on them. What do you like when you walk into your workplace? Because when you walk into your workplace, you take the kingdom of God with you. It might be one of the, it might be a den of iniquity where you work. There might be thieves and uh, not paying taxes and ripping off consumers. But when you walk in, Light explodes in that place, and lives can be transformed. Daniel worked in some of the worst places, but the light that was in him, because he trusted in God in a relationship with God, changed it. And what happened? The verse I was supposed to preach from tonight. Sorry, I'm not going on for another sermon now. One day, God will let me move on. I really feel it's like, no, do that again, Paul. <laughs> That's what I want. It was noised, and they gathered at the door. They gathered at the home. The word used there, and I really am coming to the end, don't worry. But the word used, gathered at the door of the home, is oikos, which in Greek means home or household. They came to the household. People are going to come to the household if the people inside the household are willing to reach out and touch them. Knowing that they're not going to get unclean, but their cleanliness, their light, is going to penetrate their darkness. It's not just fear of our failure, it's fear of how dark the world is. It doesn't matter how dark it is. We are in the light. They may be better educated. They may be more intelligent. They may be stronger. It doesn't matter. You have the wisdom of God. You have the mind of Christ. Sometimes people have got really clever atheist arguments to argue against our Christianity. It doesn't matter. We're not sent to win arguments. Never try to win an argument. It's pointless, the scripture says. Totally pointless. You just end up with angry people digging their heels in. Use the opportunity to say what you believe and then let them win, think they've won the argument and then the Holy Spirit will bring conviction later. Because it's the Holy Spirit that does that bit. 
But you haven't got to win the argument. If, they, if you talk to them and you leave thinking that they, can, they convincingly prove from their point of view that God does not exist, it doesn't matter. You just brought light into that darkness. And it will overcome if we're not afraid to touch. Then... They will gather at the door. They were both inside and outside the house. No more could be packed in. And Jesus preached the word to them. I want to see some of that too, don't you? I mean, it is about the people, but it's also about the places we meet, because this is a place they were meeting. It's the household of God. It is time, I believe, God is clearly saying, if you have these things in place, if you will love the people I bring, if you will accept them and love them into a place of freedom, they will be gathering at your door. Because that's what they want. But we can't reject them because they're not Christian enough. Or because they're into things that are not good. The whole purpose is that people will arrive at our door into all kinds of terrible things. Things where lives are being destroyed. They're supposed to be at our door. They're supposed to be inside and outside. They're supposed to be in the sanctuary. But this is the holy place of God exactly. It's not going to spoil him. God doesn't get polluted by sin. The Holy Spirit is not a skittish fairy. Some people have this impression that you do this and you do that. The Holy Spirit will, will sort of, oh, it's a bit nasty in there. I'll come back when they're singing. Don't worry, they're picking children up. They're not that offended just because she's wearing a yellow T-shirt. <laughs> because we have got to finish. So what are we going to take away? Well, take away that the Holy Spirit is not a skittish fairy. He's going to go with you into the darkest of places. He's not going to flee out because it's a bit messy. Amen, amen. I will be with you always, I seem to think was said. Oh, somebody brought a prophecy and it was a bit wrong, so the Holy Spirit left the entire meeting. Well, my God is not like that. Actually, my God would be delighted they had to go. Thank you. Bless you. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> All right, I've got to stop. I've got to stop. Let's, let's just stop with the next bit, but not going into it. Because people are so desperate to get to Jesus. You know what the next story is, I bet. If you don't know it's next, you'll know the story. It's when they dig the roof up to get the paralyzed man in. They are so desperate to get to Jesus. They are, I don't know about you, but digging a hole through the ceiling... And lowering somebody down is pretty unconventional. I wouldn't say that was traditional Anglicanism, would you? It's not traditional kingdom faithism or traditional Hollybushism. It's not traditional anythingism. It was pretty way out. Well, that just says to me, God says, some of these people are going to come in very unconventional ways. I mean, Jesus could have said, what do you think you're going to be doing? They're going to ask me to pay for that now. You've spoilt the meeting. There's plaster in my hair. 
Well, except no, the state of that city, it had been straw and animal dung, so that was worse. No, he forgave him. I'm going to finish with that because it's a really weird thing to finish on. Straw and dung in your hair. But it's going to happen. Are you going to let them stay? And are you going to forgive them? And then are you going to see them healed? Because that's what Jesus did. Could we just stand to finish? I think we should just stand before God. It would be good. It's been lovely to bring the two churches together tonight, or the two Christian congregations. Father, we thank you that you've, by your grace, you've spoken tonight. I pray, Father God, that everything that I've said that's just been my own invention just is forgotten immediately, and that nobody walks out with that. But I pray, Father, that everything that you have said, will go out with people tonight and will change the way we are as church. Father, that we will be a people equipped. That we will be a people that are, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. It's a tall order, Lord, but actually it's not because it's you that enables it. Those that love the Lord, they will obey him. Thank you, Father. If I mention stuff that you struggle with tonight, and even if I didn't, and you've got stuff that you regularly struggle with, can I just say to you, let Jesus now wash away the shame of that. Everybody struggles with different things. The only people that will judge you for that are people that are not struggling with that, so they don't feel it's an issue because they've overcome it. But everybody has something. And the answer is looking at Jesus. Even if that's what you've done all your life, it's still looking at Jesus. I find the hardest thing sometimes if I do something that I know I've done before is like, how can I genuinely repent? Because I know I'm so likely to do it again. I don't want to do it again. And so you can feel kind of false. That's just the enemy lying to you saying, is God really that good? Yes, he is that good. You can't run out of grace. He doesn't want you to live trapped in sin, but neither does he want you to live in condemnation. Otherwise, Jesus' death was pointless. Let's, let's give to Jesus what his suffering bought, which is free people. Father, I pray now that your spirit falls upon everybody on this room, that we go out with that song ringing in our ears about the cross, about that divine love enabling us and about how you've always been with us and you're always going to be with us. I pray, Lord, we walk out with a sense of, actually, this is all right. I can do this because Jesus is going to do it in me. And, Father, I pray that we would be strong and stand against the wiles and the sneakiness and the evilness of the enemy. Because we say to him, get out of these lives. You have no authority to torment people in this place because they are part of the kingdom of God and they have surrendered their life to Jesus and you were defeated at the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank 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 you, Father. 
Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.